What's going on, everybody? It is Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report, episode number 59, coming at you. Coming in hot. It's Selection Sunday, guys. What's going on? Let me adjust this shit real quick. You can find me on Twitter at ACCBR1, okay? New Twitter handle for those who may be trying to find me but can't. I'm incognito. I'm a fucking chameleon, okay? At Pecon36, people didn't know how to spell it, okay? Whatever. ACCBR1 now on Twitter, okay? Visit accbasketballreport.com for content from myself, Charlie, Kinchin, working on some others. If you're interested in writing, send me an email, accbasketballreport at gmail.com. It is unpaid. It is for love of the game. People talk about it all the time. Let's see who owns up. I need a bracketologist. Do you like to predict the NCAA tournament field? Do you love the metrics? I know Charlie does. Charlie's actually working on his own metrics, which I can't wait for that to be released. Bracketology is something that fails me, okay? I am an eye test guy. I am a fucking dinosaur, okay? This year, I'm finally getting into the quadrant system, finally getting into the net, the RPI, strength and schedule, all that bullshit, okay? All that said, I knew that UNC would beat Gonzaga earlier this year. Why? Because I watched the teams play. Is a bad matchup for Gonzaga. There is value in the eye test. Unfortunately, that's not how the tournament field is predicted. Okay. I can tell you that I think St. John should be in the field. Okay. You look at the net, 73. Okay. Um, do they have the talent? Sure. Do they have the schedule? Absolutely not. So I give you my opinions all day long, but they're not backed up by the metrics, backed up by how many times I've seen them guys play. And what I give you for NCAA tournament teams typically isn't going to be even close to what's actually going to be selected to the field. Okay. Again, on the intro, what am I talking about today? I'm not, I, I talk about the tournament. Obviously, it's Selection Sunday. Talk about the ACC tournament. Give you guys a little bit of a recap. Talk about bubble teams. More specifically, talking about Clemson and NC State. I'm going to talk about the Georgia Tech quote-unquote scandal. Zion, return. Return big. How can How can people... Not vote for him for player of the year. You know, I get on, you're on Twitter, Wendy's national player of the year. I voted for uh, Jay Morant, Ja Morant, whatever. I voted for Rui Hachimura. I rooted for Brandon Clark, which Brandon Clark would be my second choice if, if it wasn't Zion. You know, I voted for Michael DeVoe, <laughs> okay, which I don't think anybody has, but how do you how do you say what what does Ja Morant do that Zion Williamson does not do? How does Ja Morant influence the game in a positive way better than Zion Williamson does? Anything that people do on the court, Zion does it better, with the exception of shooting threes. And he makes up for that with how dominant he is in every other category. Okay, you guys know me. I did not think he was the number one player in the country coming in. Okay, I thought it was uh, Barrett one, Reddish two, or no, I'm sorry, Barrett one, uh, Nasir two, Reddish number three, and I think I had Williamson at four. I was wrong. I thought that in today's basketball, <clears throat> if you can't shoot the three, you're you're a dinosaur like me. Okay, you're the eye test guy. Uh, that I, I couldn't have been more wrong. The way I never thought that he would influence the game defensively the way he does. And as much as we talk about him, or I should say as much as media, let's talk about him and talk about how fantastic he is, how spectacular his dunks are, they never talk about his defense. Like, he has, oh, he had a good block. Yeah, but he's he's more than just athleticism. The kid shoots gaps like nobody in college basketball. Marquise Reed was the best off-the-ball defender, I thought, in the ACC coming into this year. And Zion makes him look slow. <laughs> okay, it's unreal. Marquise Reed, still my guy. Okay, he plays for Clemson. I won't hold that against him. He's awesome. He's underrated. Didn't have a great season and still averaged 20 points a game this year. All right. Do we just want to get into it then? Fuck it. Okay, play the music. Where's a Kogi? I'll tell you where he is. He's streaking down the right-hand lane. Today's episode, number 59, brought to you by FanVest. Visit FanVestWageringExchange.com. It's a new take on March Madness, they're launching a beta version of their site for March Madness. You basically get a thousand free fan bucks. You build a stock portfolio based on shares of each individual team, and you buy, sell, trade shares based on how you think uh, teams are going to perform. Uh, winner of this tournament gets five grand. Okay, everybody else in the top ten gets a hundred bucks. Fan Vest 
wageringexchange.com. This is the ACCBR number one um, uh, sponsor right now. They're my first ever sponsor, and I'm, I'm happy to be with them. I think it's a really cool concept. Again, fanvestwageringexchange.com. Go give them a test. Go give them a visit. I'm going to be on it. I'm going to win the five grand and rub it in everybody's face. I am Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report, episode number 59, the ACC Tournament Review. Farrell turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock, doesn't get it, five seconds to play, down the floor, a Kogi, he beat the buzzer! Welcome to ACC Basketball Report, episode number 59. It is a lovely Sunday in the Triangle of North Carolina. It is currently about 8 o'clock in the morning. How about that uh, ACC tournament, huh? Lots of good games in that tournament. Uh, a couple surprises. Today I'm going to talk about the ACC tournament. I'm going to talk about some ACC bubble teams. I'm going to talk about the quote-unquote scandal at Georgia Tech. We'll talk about Zion's return. And I'm going to talk about the argument for having the ACC as three number one seeds, which I think I brought up weeks ago as kind of a joke <laughs> and um it was seen as kind of greedy and now it, it's kind of taken hold as being quite probable uh first i want to jump into tuesday's games notre dame one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the nation goes out beats georgia tech 78 71 g-tech was down huge to start nate lashevsky was <clears throat> shooting the lights out in the first half he got a little bit uh, dinged up Towards uh, towards halftime, sat up the second half. You know, Notre Dame, as I said, one of the worst, I think the 303rd in the nation in three-point percentage. They go out and they just light up Georgia Tech, which has one of the best perimeter defenses in the country. G-Tech has trouble scoring in the first half. They, they kind of get right in the second half, but the, the deficit was just too large. So Notre Dame moves on on, on the Tuesday game. Anthony Lawrence and DJ Vasilovich come on for 41 on Tuesday. Uh, Miami holds off Wake Forest 79-71. No real surprise there other than Miami is able to pull up the victory despite Chris Likes not having a great game. Pitt comes out, hammers Boston College behind Trey McGowan's and Xavier Johnson combining for 49. You know... Kai Bowman, not great in this game. 3 for 10, probably his last game at Boston College, I would assume. Nick Popovich was pretty good with 29, uh, 21 and 9, I believe. Pitt has the pieces, people. I've been saying it all season long. This is a three-year rebuild instead of a five-year rebuild. And this is the coach that wanted to come to Georgia Tech. And Mike Babinski decided that Bryce Drew was a better candidate then Vandy threw a bunch of money at Drew. Now he's at Vanderbilt, and now we have Josh Pastner. Now, would Capel have this success at Georgia Tech? Oops, sorry about that. You know that remains that that will never be known, obviously. But uh, <laughs> you got to think that Capel would recruit better than Pastner has, and in, in Atlanta right now. Uh, moving on to Wednesday's game, North Carolina State comes back from a 16-point halftime deficit to defeat Clemson. Um, you know, Clemson puts the term Clemsoning back in people's mouths this week. State wins on a Markel Johnson free throw on two Markel Johnson free throws after he gets into the lane. Uh, State wins 59-58. You know, Clemson had this game, and they pissed it away just like they've done just like they did earlier in the season against North Carolina State. Just like they've done many times. I think they've got three or four, one, two, three-point losses this year. Clemson's not a tournament team. Plain and simple. And I'll get into that here in just a minute. Uh, Virginia Tech on Wednesday handles Miami 71-56. Hokies were up 17 at the half. Miami's just not built for a tournament like this. You know, they've, they kind of got over there fading in the second half of the second half of games late in the season, but if you're going to put seven scholarship players in, in games on back-to-back -back days, there, there's no way they're going to hold up, especially when you're so reliant on Lawrence, Likes, um, the big kid, Azundu, Vasilovich. You know, you need them four to be huge, to be great. Zach Johnson as well, you know, every day. And, you know, there's just there's not enough rest for them guys you know, basketball is not football, but at the same time, you need some recovery time. And, you know, you saw it last night with Duke, Alex O'Connell, Jack White, uh, Javin Delorier. Those guys got minutes 
after you know then during their their third game in three days Frankovic played in, in game two for Duke <clears throat> and was pivotal you got to have some kind of bench you got to have you got to have a little bit of respite for these guys and Miami's just not built for this tournament they will be next year we'll talk about that in one of the upcoming episodes uh you know remember I said Notre Dame was a bad shooting team they go three for 27 on Wednesday fall to Louisville by 22 75 to 53 not a whole lot to see here. That was kind of what we anticipated. Notre Dame finished dead last in the ACC for a reason. Uh, Syracuse disposes of Pitt without Tyus Battle, who I think it said he had a back injury or a leg injury. I can't quite remember. Um, Syracuse was down at the half, but they uh, they kind of found their groove. They outscored the Panthers by 20 in the second half and eventually wouldn't the game 73 to 59. Buddy Beheim with 20 points. Elijah Hughes and Frank Howard both had 18. Uh, you know, Thursday, again, not a huge shock uh, either. North Carolina State then falls to Virginia after beating Clemson. They come out, they looked a little uninspired. They fall 76 to 56. Carolina State actually led by a deuce at the half, um, but then Virginia comes out and drops almost 50 in the second half. Is this Wolfpack team a tournament team? <laughs> I'm going to get into that in just a second. Uh, UNC knocks off Louisville 83-70. to Again, paying Louisville back for that loss earlier in the season. They had already done so once. And this felt like a continuation of that. Luke May with 19-9. and uh, Kobe White, 19 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Jordan War struggled with his shot and turnovers in this game. I think he had 4 or 5 turnovers. Only had probably 11 points somewhere in there. <clears throat> UNC moves on to give us the... Much anticipated Duke UNC Part Three. Speaking of Duke, Zion returned Thursday night, and they dismantled Syracuse, eighty-four to seventy-two. The game was not as close as the score. Uh, Zion had one of the best games I think I have ever seen a kid play. Thirteen of thirteen from the field, twenty-nine and fourteen. He's shooting gaps on defense, getting steals, getting breakaway dunks, wreaking havoc on the defensive end. He looked completely healthy. I think he probably had been healthy. I think that he said after the game that he had been ready to play for a while. They chose to save him and and play him when it mattered the most, which, you know, I said it on the podcast with Sean Dillon and, uh, and Eric Haslam, you don't have to play him. They're still on the one line. If you come back in the ACC tournament, you win the whole damn thing. Who, what do you lose? Maybe a game or two. I think they were 3-3 three and three without him there. Who cares? They're still on the one line. So, you know, it's not like they were going to lose to Wake Forest without him. You know what I mean? Even though they almost did. <laughs> but, you know, they didn't. So, And you can't foresee that happening anyway. Uh, Wake Forest just played well that game. Duke didn't play all that great. But here we are. Selection Sunday. Duke's probably a number one seed. Uh, probably the second best game of the tournament took place on Thursday as Florida State defeated Virginia Tech 65-63 in overtime. Kerry Blackshear Jr. continued to play well. I thought Nikhil Alexander played a little bit of hero ball here and there. Um, Ty, uh, Ty's outlaw, Ty outlaw, sorry, got a little bit nicked up in this game. Basically, I thought Virginia Tech was going to have it, but uh, Vassell, Devin Vassell for Florida State, you know, hits a huge corner triple to send it into extra time. And then in the extra, in, in OT, it's kind of back and forth. Alexander Walker drives to the hoop, doesn't get the call, goes flying out of bounds. Um, <clears throat> FSU kind of breaks out. Terrence Mann gets into the lane or just into the side of the lane, kind of throws up a a prayer, a one-handed runner where he's not squared up, um, gets the and one, the, the, the basket goes in. Uh, you know, Florida State wins the game. Blackshear had 17 and 9 in this game. I think he had 19 and 10 in the previous game. You know, Florida State's a good team. And I think this Vassell kid, you know, nobody really expected a whole lot of him coming into the season. And I remember when I was in Atlanta for the G Tech Florida State game where Florida State just dismantled Georgia Tech. Um, this kid played well there, and that was when I first kind of noticed him. And he's either a spark plug and he's really good, or you forget that he's even on the team. And then you got somebody like Anthony Polite who comes in and, and maybe does some things, which if you guys know who Anthony Polite is, he's got that sweet flat top. So Florida State moves on from Virginia Tech. They go into Friday's semifinals. They actually knocked off Virginia 69-59, to which 
of course, I go on the Rockin' 25 countdown earlier in the week, and I'm all, I sell out. I'm all in on Virginia, okay? This is a different Virginia team. They're a whole different animal. They've got scores. They've got defenders. They've got shot blockers, right? They go 5-24 from deep. The Florida State size gave them big-time problems. It was interesting to see. It will be interesting to see the possible matchups that Virginia gets in the tournament, what their bracket is. I think they're still probably the overall number one seed in the tournament. But if you get a team like, I don't know, maybe Gonzaga. Well, no. Say Gonzaga falls. Well, they're going to be the top two. So they'll be in the weakest four, which will probably be UNC or Kentucky, I think. Uh, UNC or Tennessee, I think. But um, say, say Virginia gets up against a big team. That can pound them on the glass. That can give their guards trouble. Which you know, Kyle Guy is what six three, six four. Ty Jerome's six five. So they're pretty big to begin with. But Trent Forrest is also six five. Okay, uh, MJ Walker six 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 five. So you know those big guards. Maybe that is the recipe to give Virginia trouble. Personally, I think this may have just been a bump on the road. Um, but we will see as the tournament. Uh, is released and as they progress and in probably the game of the tournament duke knocks off uh unc in part three on friday night 74 to 73 zion with another double double 31 points 11 rebounds on 13 of 19 from the floor you know carolina struggled from the floor with the exception of cam johnson who got a, a decent look late but couldn't get it to fall Kobe White kind of tried to be a hero after Roy Williams once again uh, refuses to call a timeout and get a play set up. He has shown that throughout his career that he believes in his guys. I will not hammer on him for, for trusting Kobe White to make the best decision. Kobe White has been probably their best player. If not their best player, then Cam Johnson's been 1A and Kobe has been 1B. <clears throat> um, and Roy Williams, as stated in the Harold Little interview, has three national championships. Who am I to question that man? Uh, he got a look from three, couldn't get it to go. Nasir Little had a shot at a tip. He couldn't get that to go. All in all, I mean, if you're going to lose, you might as well lose to one of the top two three teams in the country, right? I don't think that really hurt Carolina at all as far as their seeding in the tournament goes. In the finals last night, Duke takes the title, 73-63, behind Zion's 21 points. Again, had a, had a spectacular game where he just... He's just, he's always there. Like, he's, the he knows, it's almost, he's he's clairvoyant, almost. He knows where the ball's going to be, how to get there, the fastest route to get there. And his superior athleticism allows him to just dominate the game. And it's absolutely brilliant to watch. You know, the game was tied at 36 the half. I never really thought Duke was in trouble. You know, Zion and Barrett, once again, fantastic. I think Barrett went 8 for 13 inside the arc. He didn't hit a triple last night. Had a pretty nice give-and-go alley-oop with Trey Jones, who Trey Jones was spectacular last night. Uh, 17.6 assists. I don't think he had one or two turnovers. My my concern for Duke at this point is Cam Reddish, who continues to struggle. He averaged just eight points in this tournament, shot 32% from the floor and three for 13 from deep. If Duke is going to make this tournament run, he needs to play better. Um, you know, Zion is, is great, obviously. Okay, They just ran through the ACC and... Apart from the the UNC game, you, you never thought that they were actually in trouble. And they, they looked like the best team in the country with him on the floor, which isn't surprising. Because they looked like the best team on the floor th earlier in the season before his shoe blew up. So, you know, I, I think that the injury was overblown a little bit. Um, the concern was, you know, more than it should have been. And we're seeing this Duke team that is the same post-injury as they were pre-injury, but the fact remains they can't shoot worth a damn. Now, Trey Jones kind of um, initiated his offense a little bit better last night, but he was getting into the lane, throwing up floaters, throwing up mid-range jumpers. If he can just do that, I mean, it's phenomenal. What I didn't understand was why Florida State was rushing to close out on him. Make him shoot those threes. Let R.J. Barrett shoot that three coming off the, uh, a right-hand dribble. You can live with that. What you can't live with is playing sloppy offense and letting Zion and, and Barrett and Jones get out in space. You know, that, that's where Duke kills you is in the transition game. You have to be efficient offensively. 
and not give them live ball turnovers, momentum shifting turnovers. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm a little stuffed up this morning. I can't seem to uh, get it together. Um, but uh, this team can be beaten. If you make them shoot threes, I think you're going to be okay. Uh, as far as Florida State goes, I think they proved this week they're a team that can can make a run, but they've got to get something out of the perimeter guys, specifically MJ Walker, who only averaged six points per game throughout this tournament. I think Vassell has been really good, but I think Walker is the key to unlocking this team's potential. Obviously, MJ Walker's upside is far superior to Devin Vassell's. I mean, he's a five-star guy, number 30 to 35 in the country, something like that, in his recruiting class. His progression at Florida State has basically been zero. He has flashes here and there, but he, he is, his consistency is going to be key if Florida State's going to make a run. Uh, Phil Kofer hasn't been the same since returning from his injury. Uh, you know, PJ Savoy has only received about 10 minutes per game over the past few weeks, basically since January 22nd. You know, Vassell has, has stole some of that from him, but Florida State's deep. They got the shooters. They just need to get everybody on the same page at the same time because they could win this thing. There's not a... There's not a stat that jumps out to me that says that Florida State can't win this whole damn thing. They, they've got to be somebody's dark horse. And if you get Walker playing well, if you get Vassell to stay consistent, if you get uh, Cabin Gelly, who inexplicably didn't make a, a you know, all-ACC team outside of ACCBR where I had him on the number two team, there's, there's no reason why Florida State can't make some serious noise in this tournament. <clears throat> all right. One thing I wanted to get to today, and it's hot as balls in this house right now. Um, you know, been able to keep the heat off thanks to uh, some nice days lately. And I don't have the AC on now. And it's about 77 degrees in this house. I'm sweating my ass off. All right. Uh, NC State and Clemson. Are these tournament-worthy teams? Have you guys seen enough yet? Is Clemson regretting the Brad Brownell contract extension? Clemson fans, maybe. Dan Radakovich isn't. He doesn't give a shit about your basketball team. He just doesn't want to rock the boat for the football team, people. And since I'm already blocked by the Clemson Twitter feed, might as well just say it. Uh, you know, even though NC State won that playing game, the 8-9 game with Clemson, which I think the bracket that I printed out last week, or tried to print out last week, had Clemson as the, the 8 and NC State as the 9. It was actually the other way around, which that's my bad, but it doesn't really matter. So NC State wins the supposed play-in game, um, but other things have happened. Let's let's pull up Haslametrics real quick. Um, Rhode Island in the A10 tournament goes out and makes sure that the Atlantic 10 is now a two-bid league instead of a VC only VCU only league. That hurts NC State. St. Mary's. Goes out and beats Gonzaga, holds Gonzaga to 47 points. <clears throat> Which, looking at Haslametrics.com right now, NC State is the first team out. Uh, Clemson is the fourth team out. So, uh, St. Mary's steals a bid. Rhode Island steals a bid, which is probably going to go to Davidson if I had to make a guess. Then, in the SEC tournament... Florida knocks off LSU, okay? Florida makes it to the championship game today against Auburn. Um, let's, let's take a look real quick. Let's go to the worldwide leader in racist baiting garbage, ESPN.com, because it's the quickest way to get to Okay, so Florida lost to Auburn yesterday. I should know that because I watched while that game was on one of the silent TVs. But they make a run. They were on the bubble. <clears throat> they get the, a quality win in LSU. Okay. Florida, right now, you can't say that Florida doesn't look like a better team than both Clemson or NC State. And coming into the weekend, I don't think that that was the case. Looking for... Florida here, yeah. Right now, Florida uh, on Haslametrics is in as a number 11, so they're in ahead of NC State. You know, if you look at the resumes, okay, what's NC State? Two and nine, I think. 
against uh, against quad one teams. Let's take a look at that shit real quick too. I know that Clemson is one in ten, so you know I'm gonna get to them in just a second. Okay, right now North Carolina State number thirty three in the net. Their RPI is ninety eight, which RPI is being replaced by the net this year, but it gives you a little bit of a contrast. Okay, three and nine against Q one teams, five and zero oh against Q two teams. They have two quadrant three losses. That's bad. Okay, their strength of schedule is 129, which most people are going to tell you or quote non-conference strength of schedule, which is 352, which is a huge number. It's terrible, okay? I don't care about non-conference strength of schedule at all. I care about strength of schedule because if you play in the ACC, you're going to play some big boys. You may only have to schedule, and especially if you're in the ACC, you're going to get the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So chances are you're going to have to go possibly on the road and that gives you the opportunity for another Q1 win, which NC State this year, I think, who they play? Wisconsin. Yeah, they lost to Wisconsin by four <clears throat> at Wisconsin. So that's one of the Q1 losses. Certainly not inexplicable. But you can't play Mount St. Mary's, Maryland Eastern Shore, Asheville, Maine, St. Peter's, Mercer, a winless Vanderbilt team, Western Carolina. Okay, they get the Auburn win, they get the Penn State win, which Penn State showed late in the season they were probably better than their record indicated. South Carolina, Upstate, and Loyola, Maryland. Okay, you get the you got the Auburn win. That's all you got, and then you play the big boys, which you know the ACC is unforgiving. But you also I said this earlier in the preseason. You also need to schedule in preparation for those teams. You can't go out and play South Carolina, Upstate, and Loyola, Maryland, and then. And then open up the ACC thinking you're going to be up to par with Miami or North Carolina. Now, they won the Miami game, but they're the one by five. Okay, not a great showing. Now, let's go to the Clemson Tigers. 35 in the net, 60 RPI. Again, RPI is not used by the tournament committee at this point, but it gives you a little bit of a contrast between the two metrics. One and ten against Q1s. Okay, this is why I'm all on the mid-major train this year i know what clemson is they're a good defensive team they're a team that has a has a really cool player in elijah thomas and that's that's kind of the way i like to describe him a really cool player because he'll mix it up he will he'll dunk on you and then he'll knock your fucking teeth out (laughs) elijah thomas is a guy i want on my team all right and he's definitely a guy i want behind me having my back okay one in ten against q1 teams while being 18-0 against Q2, 3, and 4, that doesn't impress me. Um, but don't we know who Clemson is at this point? You know, in my opinion, neither one of these teams should dance over a team like Central Florida. We've seen Clemson. We've seen North Carolina State. We know what they are. They've had ample opportunities to show that they can beat good teams, and they've proven time and time again they are not up to the task. Actually, NC State really hasn't shown that. <laughs> Because they didn't fucking play anybody outside of the conference. Except Wisconsin, and they lost. And they played Auburn, and they won. Okay. What does that tell you? That they're up and down. Okay. they. I mean, Auburn's the better team. If, if I was going to take Wisconsin or Auburn, I'd probably take Auburn, especially with the way both teams are playing right now. But, I, I mean... Don't you know what NC State is at this point? This, you know, they're playing for their tournament lives, and they lose by twenty to Virginia on a neutral after trailing Clemson by sixteen the day before. Now, they, you know, they may have expended a bunch of a bunch of energy getting that win. I'm sure they did. It takes a lot out of you. But neither team really impressed me in that game either. Clemson up by sixteen was on their way to impressing me. They promptly blew it. They're out. They're done. Clemson's not getting in the tournament. It's only a question now of whether NC State gets in the tournament. And uh, I, I'm, I'd rather see Belmont. I really would. And I, I know some people are are saying, would you rather really see Belmont? Yeah. Yeah, I really would. I'd rather see Lipscomb, which is currently the eighth team out right now. Um, you know, even, even a team like Nebraska, just because it's a good story. Fuck it. You know what I mean? But it's also that the bubble is so soft right now that North Carolina State's probably going to get in. And that's good because without that, you know, Kinchin might be useless for the next couple weeks if uh, State doesn't get in. I need him to write some shit. I don't think either one should make it. 
Both of them, uh, both of them won't. Clemson's out. I think North Carolina State just it might be the last team in. They're going to go to Dayton though if they do get in. All right, one thing I did want to talk about today, and again I joked about this a few weeks ago. Should the ACC get three number one seeds? Absolutely, in my opinion. And let me tell you why. Let's look at Duke. Okay, number three in the net, number one in RPI, second in the country in strength of schedule. They have 11 Quadrant 1 wins. And they just won the ACC tournament. Okay, And they have the player of the year. And when he's on the court, they look like they can't be beaten. Okay, They beat Virginia twice with him. They lost to North Carolina twice without him. And then they beat North Carolina with him. Okay, Would they have won those games without him to North Carolina? Who knows? We never will. But to me, Duke looks like the best team in the country. And Virginia's going to get the number one overall seed, as they should, and Duke beat them twice. Okay? So speaking of Virginia, number one in the net, number three in RPI. Strength of schedule is 24, which I think is a little bit... Let's pull up Warren's website. Warren. Um, I think it's a little bit deceiving. I know that Virginia had the most road victories over ranked opponents of anyone in the country with six or seven. Right. Uh, you know, Virginia, this is not a bad schedule. Uh, you know, Dayton, okay, Wisconsin, Maryland, uh, Virginia Commonwealth, South Carolina. Uh, Marshall should have been better, okay? And then you play the ACC schedule. That's a good, that, that's a, that's the perfect, that's, that's the perfect schedule right there, okay? You get Towson, GW, and Coppin State to warm up with. Middle Tennessee State, who lost everybody, including their coach. Yeah, I can see that. You know, so you play the four games, okay? Then you go to the Bahamas. You play Dayton. You play Wisconsin. Then you get Maryland in the Big Ten tournament and the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Okay, come home. You get a fuck-off game with Morgan State, who you crush. Then you go to work, okay? VCU at home. South Carolina on the road, okay? Which... South Carolina, eh, not real, you know, they're 81st in the net. But they did finish fourth in the SEC, which I'm not really buying. They had a pretty easy schedule. But still, it's big boy basketball. You take another break with William & Mary. Then you get Marshall, who's 19-14, and 14, a legit Conference USA team. They've got a stud and a kid named John Elmore. You know, you come out, you crush them, now you're ready to play Florida State. Okay? That's how you schedule in the ACC. Okay? That's how you put together a resume where you don't have to sweat it out, okay? St. John's, okay? NC State, okay? That This is how you guys schedule. Okay, Randy Bennett out in St. Mary's. Now, St. Mary's may have a tougher time putting people putting people on his schedule. Whatever. Get it done. I feel like I talk about St. Mary's every year, okay, where they don't have shit for a schedule. Their schedule is a little bit better this year. They go 19 and 10. Yeah. Maybe that's a reflection on Randy Bennett. I don't know. I think the guy can coach, personally. Uh, moving on to, so, you know, Virginia 12, Quadrant 1 wins. They are the number one overall seed. That one's a lock, okay? <clears throat> I think Duke is a lock at this point. Now, the questionable one, which I said earlier in the week on the Rockin' 25 poll, you know, the SEC tournament was going to produce a number one seed if it was Kentucky. Tennessee, LSU, could have an argument. Now, I, I don't think any of that is up for up for dispute right now. Let's take a look at North Carolina real quick. Number seven in the net, number four in RPI, number three strength of schedule, <clears throat> and ten quadrant one wins. Okay, Tennessee. Let's let's check out the Vols real quick. Okay, number five in the net, six in RPI, thirty-two strength of schedule, nine wins against quadrant one teams. Okay. And they're going to get, they could get another one today playing Auburn in the SEC championship, which I think Tennessee probably takes that game. You know, this team, shit. You know, they played G Tech at home, Louisville and Brooklyn. These guys played Kansas, uh, Gonzaga, Memphis, Wake Forest. Yeah, Wake Forest. Never mind. Take that one off. You know, Sanford, who's a decent, decent mid to low major. Okay. And then he played the SEC. That's a hell of a schedule. It really is. Now, <clears throat> compare all this to Gonzaga, okay? Which, and it's not really their fault. It's their conference sucks. Because Gonzaga played a hell 
of a non-conference schedule. Now, they lost to Tennessee, but they're traveling across the country for all this stuff. And I don't want this to be a let's bang on Gonzaga thing, but does Gonzaga deserve that fourth number one over UNC or Tennessee? Uh, no. No, sir, they don't. You know, Gonzaga played Texas Southern at a conference. Maui on the mainland over in Spokane. Now, Texas Southern, huh, yeah, take a look at Texas Southern's roster, okay? They got like six guys from Power Six conferences that all transferred there. Played Illinois, played Arizona, played Duke, played North Dakota State, which is in the tournament. Creighton, Washington, Tennessee, North Carolina, okay? <laughs> awesome out-of-conference schedule. Now, you know, Texas A&M, Illinois, who cares, right? Still, big boy basketball, okay? You still, you know, Billy Kennedy's still coming in there with some guys, okay? Brad Underwood's coming in there with some guys. Desumu and, oh, uh, who's the other kid? Frazier, okay? Arizona, riddled with injuries, you know, under scandal. They struggled this year. It's still Arizona. They still got some players. But then, you know, you get into turn, uh, uh, conference play. Pacific, San Francisco, Loyola. You know, that said, okay, Gonzaga is one of the best teams in the country. They have a legit shot to win this whole thing. But if you're going by metrics, if you're breaking it down, they just lost to St. Mary's in their tournament. That's, you know, it's a Q1 loss, so it's not bad. But, number two in the net, number seven in RPI. Strength of schedule is 56, and here's where it gets you guys. They have four quadrant one wins, okay? Including losses to UNC and Tennessee. Okay, so the two teams that they're jockeying with, in my opinion right now, if especially if Tennessee gets the win today, you got the three guys from the ACC in Tennessee. Those are your number one seeds. I'm not sure that's going to happen. If Gonzaga gets the fourth number one, which I assume they're going to get the one in the West over North Carolina, you guys should be pissed. Now, if Carolina gets the number two, they'll probably be closer to home, which is interesting because if they get the number one, who goes? You know, who, who goes to the West? Nobody really wants to, I guarantee it. So it actually may be better for North Carolina to get the number two. It's really interesting. I think they deserve the number one, but it may be in their best interest to get the number two. So the real four number ones are Tennessee, Carolina, Duke, and Virginia. Probably... If you're a Carolina fan, you want to drop to that, to the deuce. Because then you'd be close to home. Something to think about. You want the prestige or you want the road that may provide you the best opportunity to get to the Final Four. Oh yeah. UNC beat them head to head. Now that was in Chapel Hill. It's a cross country trip. You know, you got you to take that into account. One thing that isn't taken into account, again, is RPI. I only provide it, like I said, because it's it contrasts the net in so many cases. If you look up, let's take a look real quick. At nope, that's not where I want to be. Here we go. North Carolina State, okay, thirty-three in the net, ninety-eighth in RPI. Okay, that's why I provide both because different metrics are going to tell you different things. You can manipulate statistics to tell you basically anything you want. Um. Speaking of things you want, speaking of things that I want, I've been doing this show for what, 16 months now, 15 months now. We, I got a sponsor finally. Okay. And I got a question for you guys. Do you guys love college basketball? I know you do. Cause you wouldn't be listening to this. Otherwise, do you play the stock market? I do pot stocks. I'm all in baby. I, I you know, about eight, 10 months ago. When legalization really started to, when it was looking really good before Canada legalized, I got into the stock market. Well, there is a new system coming out called FanVest Wagering Exchange. It gives you the best of college basketball as well as the stock market. At FanVestWageringExchange.com, they are launching a beta version of their site for March Madness, and you guys can give it a try before football season for free. Okay, they're going to launch their their big-time Release is going to be for football next year, but right now they're going to release uh, a limited version of this on FanVestWageringExchange.com. 
just visit the website uh, today as of Selection Sunday and build a, a basically a stock portfolio using 1,000 free fan box. Okay, this system is totally free from March Madness. What you do is you basically buy and sell shares of college basketball teams <clears throat> as they, you know, go up or down in value, similar to the stock market, okay? And instead of being locked into tournament selections like you would be on a piece of paper or on the tournament challenge pick them, you get to stay engaged by buying and selling values and shares of teams that you think may actually, you know, move on in the tournament. So each team is priced differently going by historical success, I believe is the way it goes. And you invest early, say today, as soon as the brackets are released. And then as the tournament progresses, you buy or sell shares of each particular team as you think they, they move on. So what's the point? Well, the point is five grand. The winning portfolio for the tournament receives a $5,000 cash prize. Everyone inside the top 10 also receives a hundred bucks. I'm going to be giving it a try. I hope you guys will join me. I think it sounds incredible, and I'm, I'm really interested in getting involved, involved with this myself. I think it's an awesome idea, and I'm really intrigued to give it a run because typically after the first weekend or after the first five days of the tournament, my bracket is toast. I watch more college basketball than anybody that you know, okay, including yourself, and my bracket burns in the first four to five days. Again, visit fanvestwageringexchange.com. It's free. It's a cash prize. Top 10 gets you 100 bucks. Come compete against me, my guys, as well as many other publications that are out there that I'm seeing advertising for this site. I think it's a tremendous idea. Again, 1,000 free fan bucks, $5,000 cash prize to the number one portfolio. Everyone else in the top 10 receives 100. That's Fanvest Wagering Exchange. Dot com. Okay. <clears throat> last thing. I think. I think it's the last thing. Let's look. Okay. It's not the last thing. It's second to last thing. Let's talk about the new quote unquote scandal quote unquote in Atlanta. And this is basically an old scandal that's been renewed. Okay. So I read the notice of allegations sent to the Atlanta. Okay. This is the, the scandal that broke. The other night at like 10 o'clock at night. It's fucking retarded. Um, Atlanta, it outlines the recruiting trip taken by Wendell Carter, which was what, 2017? Okay. It surmises that Carter was taken to a strip club and given $300 cash by former Georgia Tech point guard Jarrett Jack, along with the host player Justin Moore, who has since transferred to Pacific. That, okay, so it's entry into a strip club, $300 cash for both he and Moore, I believe. Uh, that combined with an illegal contact after the visit, which was a via text message from uh, then assistant coach Daryl LeBerry, is the first allegation. Total damages there, $664 plus a text message. Okay, that's that's a level one, apparently, um, uh, violation, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Now, the second part to that is the most damning. and But at the same time, Punishment has already been doled out for this, okay? The second part alleges that former assistant Daryl LeBerry attempted to mislead NCAA investigators as well as tried to influence a player, presumably more, to mislead them. As we learned by the Bruce Pearl show cause, the NCAA gets quite butthurt when you lie to them, okay? They don't like that. They don't like that one bit, all right? So... <clears throat> What it is, is basically LeBerry tried to, let's say, massage the truth as far as the trip goes, as far as the benefits went. At this point, I got to ask, who cares? 600 bucks. You gave a kid some cash to go to a strip club, okay? You didn't buy him a house in Durham, okay? You didn't give him his his guardian 100 grand, okay? Um, I, this, it, this seems so minor, but... At the same time, you gotta just you gotta be honest with these guys, okay? Now, <clears throat> this stuff, allegations one and two, this is the this is the reason why LeBerry was placed on academic leave last year. Okay, let me get to the third part real quick. Third part alleges that former friend of Coach Passner, Ron Bell, provided shoes, clothes, and meals to former players Josh Okoki and Tadrick Jackson, who are both obviously no longer at, at the program. 
He also flew players to his Arizona home where they hung up poolside for a few days. Bell is the guy that Gary Parrish gave a voice to last year, okay, who sounds like a complete lunatic who has spent time in jail since he provided that interview, who has a history of drug abuse as well as numerous other um, criminal activities, okay? This is, this is the NCAA's go-to guy for information on a coach who has been clean, okay? This is who is known to be a Boy Scout, okay? This is the guy whose girlfriend is has a, has a, a lawsuit against Josh Pastner for indecent sexual contact or whatever the fuck it was, whose lawyer quit because he didn't believe in his clients, okay? These people are scumbags is basically what it boils down to. And they they failed to extort Pastner, and now they're, just, they're going for his head. Here's the thing. I've known about this for 16, 18 months. Everybody has. Pastner self-reported the issue, okay? Now, there's some people that will tell you that Wendell Carter's mom, okay, along with Coach K, actually snitched. I'm not sure that's true, okay? Coach K, it's been rumored for a long time that he he sells people out, Okay? It's there's you got to wonder how he stays out of trouble himself with there's there's a rumor that that Zion's parents have a brand new house in Durham okay there's a rumor that Wendell Carter's parents had a house in Durham I mean give me a break we're talking about six hundred and sixty bucks here at Georgia Tech a team that that can't get out of its own way meanwhile you got the team that's on ESPN every day supposedly buying people houses I mean what are we doing. Do we want this to be clean or not? No. They want you to make money for them. Okay? Again, the same day or days after LSU was in the news. Okay? Big time program. Big time players. Number one in the SEC. We're going to let this petty shit go with North, with Georgia Tech that people have known about for 18 months. Okay? D-Lab was immediately placed on administrative leave when Pastner found out about this stuff and self-reported it to the NCAA. He eventually resigned. After not receiving support from Pastner or President Bud Peterson, okay? Akogi, suspended for six games last year. Tadrick Jackson, suspended for three. What are we doing? Punishment's been doled out. Is it any wonder that people don't trust the NCAA when they knew about this last year? They had to have. Pastner reported it, okay? D-Lab wasn't coaching. Wendell Carter was. Why? He went to Duke. He's on ESPN every night. Jesus Christ. Could you could the NCAA be any more corrupt? It's right there in front of you guys. And I'm gonna get some flack from some Duke fan. Tell you, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're ill-informed. I'm ill-informed. Or are you biased? Are you guys so blinded by bias that you can't tell the difference? Okay? For God's sakes, Georgia Tech, if you're gonna cheat, do it well. Land some recruits. Do it big. Make some money for the NCAA. Make yourself immune. Look at Sean Miller out in Arizona. Still coaching. Now, he may have said his goodbye the other day. But, goddamn, how long has he been under the microscope? Forever, it feels like. Goddamn. Louisville. Number, probably the best recruiting class in the country coming in next year. If you're going to cheat, cheat big. Fuck it. Does, that, does anybody know who won the, the 2013 national title? Yeah, I do. Louisville did. But they don't have a banner in their gym. Who cares? You won it. You sold the season tickets. It funded your huge recruiting budget, which landed you in the number one class in 2019. If you're going to cheat, do it big. Make money for the NCAA. Don't get caught. Make yourself non-expendable. <clears throat> this is old news. Punishment's been handed down. Pastner's not going to be fired, by the way. For all you guys that are going to beat that drum, beat those pots and pans together, he's not implicated in any of this. They cannot fire him without cause or with cause. Stop getting your hopes up. It's a $7.1 million buyout. They're not going to pay it after they just paid $6 million to their new football team. To their football team coaching staff. Coaching staff. They didn't pay the football team $6 million. Okay? They're not going to do it. They don't care about basketball at Georgia Tech. Now, Peterson is, is retiring, so maybe the next guy will give a shit. Maybe we can hire a coach not from the DVD $5 bin at Walmart. Okay. Oh, God. I get so fired up over this bullshit. I mean, just the blatant 
blatant corruption and the NCAA couldn't care less. Why? Because the governing body is run by member institutions. Jesus Christ, so ridiculous. So what's on deck? Well, today's Selection Sunday. You guys proud? I'm almost hard. Almost. It's not that exciting, but it's pretty exciting. I'll be doing a show with Charlie and Kinchin tomorrow night. We will break down the NCAA tournament paths for each ACC team. I'm also going to have appearances tomorrow by Will Ogenen from ACC Nation for his thoughts on Virginia. I'm going to have Matt from ACC Weekly give his thoughts on Virginia Tech. I was going to bring Jeffrey on as well, but he's a G Tech guy as well as a Clemson guy. Neither one of those teams is going to be participating, so I had to let that go. I'll also have Coach D, who is a personality on Twitter. Um, who is a coach down at Wilmington, mostly coaches overseas, who is a Carolina graduate, really plugged into the recruiting scene. I'm going to do a show with just him at some point in the offseason. The guy has 100,000 stories, and he's just he's really plugged in. And if he's not, if he's grifting me, whatever, they're still good stories. Uh, I'm going to have him on just to give his thoughts on basically anything he wants, which he's probably going to do anyway because he's got no filter. He's similar to me. And he's just going to let it fly, which I can't wait to talk to him about. Uh, don't forget, like, rate, review, share, and most importantly, subscribe to this podcast. Leave a rating, leave a comment, make this show attractive to more people like FanVest so I can bring you the best product possible. And when I say me, I mean Charlie and Kinchin as well. Give them more tools to, to provide quality content at accbasketballreport.com. Guys, it's Selection Sunday, okay? Woo! Now, the great thing about this is the tournament starts in a week. The bad thing is, is it's like NFL draft season after that, which is the worst time of the year. Uh, don't forget to join the ACC BR Bracket Challenge on ESPN.com under the Tournament Challenge page. It is open to everyone. The tournament's here, people. Don't forget FanVestWageringExchange.com for a new and exciting way to, to play with the March Madness event, which I'll be on there. I look forward to it. Um i got to go check my standings in the Jerome. This has been the ACC Basketball Report. I thank you guys. I'll see you out there. Later.